Welcome to the Bear Marriage Podcast. I'm Sheila Ray Gregoire from ToLoveHonorAndVacuum.com, where we like to talk about healthy, evidence-based biblical advice for your marriage and your sex life. Today, we're taking a little bit of a detour, and we're going to talk about parenting. This month at ToLoveHonorAndVacuum.com, we're all about attachment styles and how the way that we learn to attach as kids can actually impact our marriages quite a bit later on, but also understanding attachment can really help the way we parent. Last week at the end of the podcast, we had Wendy Snyder from freshstartfamilyonline.com um, come and talk to us about gentle parenting and what that means and how it doesn't mean that you don't discipline. It just means that you discipline in a way that connects with your kids, not in a way that's aimed towards punishment. People loved that interview. And so we brought Wendy back for an entire segment. So without further ado, here is Wendy Snyder. Well, I am so thrilled to bring Wendy Snyder back on the Bear Marriage Podcast. Hello, Wendy. Hi, Sheila. I'm so happy to be back with you today. Thanks for having me again. Yes. So Wendy, you are a positive parenting educator and life coach. I love that. You do awesome stuff at Fresh Start Wendy on Instagram and all kinds of places. And you've just been one of these people that's out in front saying, Hey, there's another way to discipline. We don't need to be spanking. There's something called gentle parenting and let me teach you how to do it. Yes. Oh my gosh, Sheila. I love teaching about compassionate discipline. I also love teaching about power struggles. I love helping families who feel like they have strong-willed kids or kids in power surge stages of life. A lot of times those are the kids we're disciplining the most. <laughs> so, and, and all of my work is, is really from my own personal story. I found this work when my daughter was um, about three and I was just in the pits. I was miserable as a parent. I was doing traditional punishment. It was not working. I just really wanted to run away and trade in my kid for another kid and did not understand how in the world I could be failing so much. Thank God I found this work. Thank God I found a different way because now she's 14 and she's thriving in life. Uh, we're thriving in our relationship. Our family is thriving. I have an 11 year old too, but, um, but yeah, I just, I love teaching about compassionate discipline and I love especially helping families who have been told that they need to do it a different way, how to just trust their heart and step into learning and start really doing things differently with their kids. Yeah, I love that. So, so people often hear buzzwords and, and if you're not sure what we're talking about, sometimes you might hear something called gentle parenting. You might hear mm -hmm. compassionate discipline. You know, these are all part of the same movement, um, discipline that connects. They talk about that a lot in connected families. So just this idea that discipline is based on connecting with your child and seeing an opportunity for, for mentorship, for growth, for modeling and teaching something and, and changing the direction rather than a punishment based on something that happened before where we're going to hurt the child so they don't do it again. So it's, yeah. it's just a different emphasis. One of the pushbacks that I'm sure you've heard a lot is that gentle parenting is just permissive parenting. Yeah. So can you speak to that? Yeah, that is the number one thing. <laughs> I remember I was teaching at church once and I was trying to like, just, you know, just spread the message that I was having a free workshop and, um, a friend who was leading the men's group who I knew, I knew was like very deeply committed to like punishment ways. And he really just thought that he was like being super biblical. Um, mm -hmm. but I remember him calling me and being like, okay, so I'm thinking about promoting this or letting my guys know he's like, but 
So I'm just trying to understand, do you ever say no to your kids? And I was just cracking up. I'm like, Mike, I literally help people all day long say no more to their kids. (laughs) just not with pain, shame, and humiliation, right? Like, yes, (laughs) saying no to our kids is so important and teaching them this behavior is not okay. I'm going to show you how to do it differently, right? I think a lot of traditional punishments type type stuff is, is stop it. And we teach, hey, not okay. And here's how to do it differently. Here's why your body or your, you're having temptation to do that. We're going to teach you how to do it differently, but essentially, whether you call it positive parenting, connection, parenting, respectful, gentle, whatever it may be, we're just trying to reach the middle ground between too firm and too kind. And it's funny mm-hmm. when I say that Rebecca, when she was on our show, the fresh start family show talking about her book, uh, why I didn't rebel, which Oh, I just, I feel like I know your family so well because she talks so much about (laughs) how you guys did such an incredible job raising uh, your kids and why Rebecca turned out the way she did. Right. Um, but, uh, she, she said to me when I was interviewing her, she said, actually, I don't believe there's ever too kind. So over the years, I've actually started to change that and say, there's too firm. And then there's permissive. Those are the pendulum swings, right? Like, Mm -hmm. um, but right in the middle is firm and kind. We set very strong boundaries. I know with my two kids that I have more rules. I mean, I have different rules, but a lot of time, a lot in a lot of situations, we have the firmest rules out of all the families around and boundaries. Um, and we in, in like we, um, enforce them with kindness and compassion and empathy. Uh, we teach our children that mistakes are opportunities to learn. We teach our children that 99% of mistakes that happen in the world that, that you do are repairable. We teach how to make amends. We teach how to repair relationships. We teach how to understand what's happening in your body and your heart and your mind when you do something that's out of character. We teach children who they really are, who they are designed by God to be um, in their best moments, not their worst moments. We teach them that defines them like all these things. But we say, I'd say a lot of the times I'm teaching parents how to say no more, just not with the threats. A lot of times like parents who are doing punishment are often doing threats. And then oftentimes they're doing bribery and rewards too. It's all external control, Sheila. Mm -hmm. And the external control doesn't necessarily get to the heart because what you want to do is you want to change the heart, not the external behavior. Yep. Um, you want to point the heart to Jesus. And, and I love that. I love, I love this. So let's get practical. All right. (laughs) Cause a lot of people are saying, yeah, I love what you're saying, but I have absolutely no idea what that would look like, especially if we've grown up in very punishment oriented circles. And if everybody around us is doing the spanking, you know, and the, the threats and the bribes, et cetera. So can you give us an example of what that might look like? Yes. Okay. So I've got, I'll just use two examples from my personal uh, story. Um, and I think that'll help give you an example of what it might look like for a three-year-old and then what it might look like for, um, at the time she was 11. Um, and, and like, I know you can put in the show notes, Sheila, but just, you know, this is a big conversation and we're having it in a quick like, little episode, right? <laughs> yes. Um, but I, I do have like, I have a free resource that is literally how to design logical consequences that work well for kids of all ages that replace punishment, um, mm-hmm. that I can give you the link for to put in the show notes. And then we have a free one hour workshop that I teach. Here's how you create a compassionate discipline toolkit, self-calming, natural consequences and logical consequences. I but love these, that. 
So yes, yeah, we so- will put those in the show notes. So right now Thank go you. check the show notes and you can download those right now. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. Yes. And, and that one hour workshop is just, you get to hang out with me and we get to go a little bit deeper on this, but let me just give you two examples of what, um, what it looks like in real life on my own life. So the first one was one of the most intense times I've ever had as a parent. Um, and it was just when I first started teaching and I, I, I honestly went into like, um, a mini depression for three days and just thank God for grandmas because grandma took my little boy uh, for three days. She had just actually, she had been here for a few years by then, but I did a big pause button because I I just was so triggered and fearing judgment so bad by people around me. But what happened was um, we were at the park with our best friend, all my best friends. We were like on an evening mommy play date and uh, all of our kids were about anywhere from like two to, to five. And Taryn, my little guy, who's my very easygoing one, So, you know, very different than my strong-willed girl. He got really excited on the playground and he pushed my friend's little buddy um, off and the little buddy fell down and he actually hurt his wrist uh, pretty bad. We later found out there was like a hairline fracture. It was bad, Sheila. Mm -hmm. And in the moment, this was one of my six friends. uh, She was the one, still dear friend to my day, one of my best friends. I knew at the time she was the one who doubted what I was doing the most, right? Like she was the one who would argue for the spanking and, and like, no, that I, I, I was totally happy, like having, you know, a history where I was told to bend over and take my pants down and all these things. Right. So in, in those moments, I remember just being terrified of what are people thinking of me? Like they thinking I'm permissive. They think like, what am I going to do? This is awful. I used to say a lot, my kids are crazy. Like I, I just had a lot of stuff going on in those early years. So thank God grandma took him for a few days. And I remember thinking, here I am, this educator starting out and I should be doing all this compassion and discipline, but what if I should just, what if all these people are right? What if I just need to hit him to tell him you cannot do this? Like mm-hmm. all these thoughts, right? But I cooled my jets. Thank God grandma had him. And I just decided to implement all the logical consequences that I could. So number one, we took care of all the medical bills, right? Like every single thing we made sure we covered for that family. Taryn was really little at the time, but we designed lots of activities for him to do to help earn some money to pay for the medical bills. And then also um, we ended up getting them zoo tickets. So that was a makeup and he worked for months and months and months to contribute to the fund to pay for that. Um, We also uh, had him do makeups, which is a concept we teach to repair a relationship. He drew uh, letters and pictures that we dropped in the mail once or twice a week. So his little buddy would receive them in the mail. You know how much fun it is when you're a kid to get mail. (laughs) And it was uh, messages of thank you for forgiving me. Um, You know, I I got too excited, uh, little pictures. um, Thank you for your grace. Uh, You mean a lot to me. I promise I won't ever do that again. I'm learning to have self-regulation. Like, of course I would fill in this because he was so little, but he would draw the pictures. We would put the stamp on together. And then we actually ended up doing, giving them baseball tickets too, because we had a, a gift and like little things like that. And, um, and then lots of conversations with him and I, when he finally came home and I could look at him because again, for a few days, I just needed to calm down, um, and get my head on straight. 
But when he came home, we did um, what's called role plays and redos. So role plays is you get out uh, at the time he was really into matchbox cars and, and Lego people and also these little mm-hmm. transformer guys. So mm-hmm. we got out and we practiced probably between five and 10 times what would happen the next time he was so excited. And, and that was the thing is the space that I took, Sheila, gave me the time to realize that he was not pushing a child out of anger. He was mm-hmm. the kid that got so excited and was so kinesthetic. He's an incredible athlete, kinesthetic kids. They move, they jump, they push, they, <laughs> everything is with their hands. He did it because he was excited. He just didn't have self-regulation. That was the life skill he was missing. And mm-hmm. so, um, so we did these role plays where, you know, we do it like the transformer guy would like push his buddy. Cause he was too excited. And then this all happened. How do you feel transformer? How's your buddy feel? There he is crying. He's at the hospital. How do you feel like lots of discussions? Yes. With a three-year-old. Um, and then we would redo it and we would say, okay, this time I want you to pretend you're tempted to push your buddy when you're playing to be rough. Mm-hmm. Um, but this time I'm, I'm, I want you to pretend like you jump as high as you can off the structure. And mm-hmm. then you do a karate kick and you punch the leaf on the tree <laughs> and that's how you get your energy out. And we would do that over and over again. Right. And so those are just some of the things that come to mind with that. But now looking like eight years later, I'm like, thank God I did not pick up my hand and harm my child and give him the message of what the heck were you thinking? What's wrong with mm-hmm. you now? You're going to pay the price because you made a mistake. And when you make a mistake, there is pain and humiliation involved. Mm-hmm. And so I'm going to like all those messages that would have come along with, Hey, I'm going to hurt you because you hurt mm-hmm. somebody else. It's hypocritical. It makes no sense. Like that. And mm-hmm. the cool thing is Sheila, this child, he has never touched another person in his life. He literally is the kid that can't even kill an ant or a bee. <laughs> He's the kid who picks up the bees and moves them in the street. Mm-hmm. Like he didn't need to be hurt and harmed. He just needed to be forgiven. He needed to be taught. Right. Mm-hmm. So there's one example. I don't know if you have anything you want to ask about that. And then I have another example. That's a really good one for an older kid. If someone is, is wondering what that looks mm-hmm. like. Okay. Well, let, let me, let me stick to the three-year-olds here. Cause I need to tell everybody I did such a bad job with Rebecca about this. She might jump back on the call. I don't know. She's feeding the baby right now. So that's why, that's why if you're watching on YouTube, there's no good or bad. Yes. Well, I, I did. I I look back and I have many regrets. I wish that I I could, but one thing that just, I didn't know what to do with her. She wasn't a bad kid. It wasn't even so much that she was strong-willed. It's just that she couldn't regulate her emotions. So when she got upset, she could not calm herself down. Like she absolutely could not. Oh, we're talking about you. So this that's is why I joined back in. Okay. That's why I joined back in. Sorry to everyone who's viewing it. Yeah. I was like, I, I, I wasn't in the first half because I had to feed my daughter. And then I thought, I'm just going to see where they are. And then I, I, I literally come in to my talking about how I had no emotional regulation. That's right. And, and the way that I handled it when she would have these outbreaks and outbursts, um, like if we left the park, for instance, we, there was a park that we went to quite often that was about 35 minutes from our apartment building in downtown Toronto, she would scream the entire 35 minutes home. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I would ignore her. I would, I would do everything that I could, but I could not get her to calm down. So, you know, I know what I would do today. Cause I would do it very differently today because I see how Rebecca deals with Alex, which is very different, <laughs> <laughs> you know, but we've Amazing. learned a lot. 
the yeah. point is we've learned a lot. And I just want to say to everybody too, I didn't, I didn't do this well with Rebecca, but Rebecca still turned out well. So yeah, again, the, you I'm, don't need I'm to fantastic. be perfect. <laughs> yes. But, but what would you say? So you've got a kid. It's not that they're just, it's not necessarily they're defiant. They just really can't calm themselves down. So they have the temper tantrums when you're leaving the park. They have the temper tantrums when they're yeah. leaving the gymnastics. I think you mentioned that last week. Yeah. Um, oh man, I have such just, a good story about that. But I yeah, have so, so many stories. So what would you do when kids are having temper tantrums like that? Well, well, here's well, since we're talking about discipline, we'll just keep mm-hmm. it honed into discipline. But again, there's going to be natural consequences and logical consequences and self-regulation. Those are kind of the three buckets that I teach, right? So this, you know, teaching your kid, and there's a difference between tantrums and actually like, um, like outburst where they're just like, man, they are trying, like they're, the goal is to get the reaction. The goal is to get the rise, but like a true tantrum is a lot of times it's like hunger, thirst, sickness, Mm -hmm and powerlessness for sure. That's in there. But so many times I counsel families. Uh, this just happened with my neighbor who came to my big life coaching weekend course. Um, her child was having a tantrum for like four days straight. And I, I just, she was crying and I was like, Hey, just want to double check. Is she feeling okay? You know, a lot of times it's looming sickness. A lot of times when my kids have the biggest tantrums, it's the next day they'll come down with a cold. Sure enough. She was like, Oh my gosh, Wendy, she's homesick from school today. She was getting sick. <laughs> so tantrums is interesting, but, but anyways, like emotional outburst, um, you know, this would be a great area to, to teach self-regulation. So that is about, you know, first, what you're modeling to your children. And this is a form of discipline, right? It's self-discipline. And then it's also teaching your child how to be self-disciplined. But this comes into like, how are you regulating your own emotions when you get upset with the kids or stressed out or even in a rush, right? Like when the, when the anger or when the sadness or when the hurt or when the scared comes over you, what is the outwardly expression happening in your home on a consistent basis? That's modeling that we we would talk about. And then also we, then we start teaching our children. Well, here's in a calm time. Here's when those surge of emotions come over you. Here's how you do it. Here's how you breathe. I have a, a breathe ball right over there in my box. Um, that is wonderful to teach kids in a calm time, how you actually, when you give your body space to like process emotions, you will be able to stop crying. But you've got to like learn what it looks like for your, your lungs to, to expand and, and to be able to give yourself a moment. Right. And a lot of times it's gotta be with the parent. Like it's gotta be shown first. So many times I would tell Stella, just take a deep breath, calm down, calm down with, especially when she was mad at her little brother, she spent many years being mad at her little brother and she didn't have success until I actually went to a life coaching weekend, came home and was able to show her. So that's, and then logical consequences is like, Hey, it looks like every time we leave the park there, there's this exchange and I'm having a hard time, um, enjoying going to the park. I have a, I get a headache on the way home when, when you're screaming so loud. Um, my nervous system is really jolted after I have to squish you in the car seat. How many of you have done the car seat squish? (laughs) Um, and so just so you know, we're going to take a break from the park for three days. And Mm -hmm. after we do the park, we usually come home and watch Paw Patrol, right? Well, we're going to take break from all of that for the next three days. And Mm -hmm. we're just going to work on self-regulation and connection. And then we're going to try again uh, next weekend. But, you know, or it could be like, hey, um, 
you know, every time, you know, I've noticed every time we, we turn off the TV or, you know, Paw Patrol, that there's like a really bad thing that happens between us. So we're going to take a break from Paw Patrol, right? So we teach what's called the four R's when we design logical consequences. So it needs to be related. It needs to be reasonable. It needs to be respectful and it needs to teach responsibility. So whatever you choose to do with your child as a logical consequence is going to hit all those four R's. And once you become fluent in this, it becomes Mm -hmm. easier to figure it out. But you, you know, most likely you're going to need a mentor in the beginning. We have families all the time that come to our membership, like help, I can't figure out what to do here. And like, again, I have so many stories about that, but yeah, that's just kind of one example of what a logical consequence would look like there. But it it really, the biggest thing I want parents to understand is that discipline is about teaching. So the correction is like, is like Mm -hmm. the, the last thing we're worried about almost. It's like, you've got to teach your kids how to do it differently tomorrow instead of just stop it or else you'll get hurt. Mm-hmm. I love that. Another, another thing that I'm also hearing you say is that their emotion is not the problem, right? Right. Yeah, it's yeah. the regulation that's the problem. And how often do we treat it? Like the problem is their emotion. Like your emotion is an inconvenience to me. So you shouldn't be yeah. feeling what you're feeling, but by telling kids, you can't feel what you're feeling. That's what leads to the shutdown attachment style. That's what leads to all kinds of problems you know, around the bend. So, you know, even just getting down to a kid's level and saying, I know you're upset about leaving the park. You yeah. know, that's sad when we have to leave the park. Rebecca does this all the time. This is what I do every single works. time. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's yeah. sad when we have to leave the park. Let's take a deep breath. You know? yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure she learned that from you. <laughs> well, but, all, you know, there's so much we could go into about like how to handle the situation in the moment. Right. Which is yeah. not necessarily discipline. Right. That's yes. like we teach something mm-hmm. in our yes. firm and kind parenting blueprint. That's four steps. You make agreements. Mm-hmm. Then you show empathy when they start to push back. Then you restate the agreement. Then you give choices, right? Yeah. So That's then exactly it turns it. into yeah. like, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. So would so. you like to walk and hold mommy's hand or go back in the stroller when we go home? Right. right. Like, yeah. Yeah. That's exactly <laughs> what we do, right? It's like, <laughs> would you like to hop on me like uh, yeah. a kangaroo in the belly or would you like to, you know, yeah, there's yeah. like, cho- yeah. we have a whole lesson on choices in our bonfire library. That's yeah. like every choice you can imagine every situation. So. Yeah. so I was just also going to say that I think, I think it's so crucial, especially for boys to do this. I, ju- I just want to put a little shout out for boys um, because girls we're, girls are allowed to have feelings in our society. Boys aren't. And so if in those early years, you can do a lot of this like connection where you're identifying what they're feeling and you're parroting it back to them. I think we're going to end up raising a lot of, a lot more men who can explain their emotions and who are in touch with their emotions, because we, we don't do that. Men often cannot identify any emotion other than happy and angry. Yeah. And horny, <laughs> yeah. I will say. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes, I was just saying. And that's not, that's not something that's inherently male. That's not the way men were made. Like you look at at scripture, David shows a range of emotions. God shows a range of emotions. You know, Jesus showed a whole range of emotions, but, but we have, we have stopped, um, especially boys more so than girls, girls as well, but especially boys, Mm -hmm. I think from being able to identify their emotions. So the more we can help them with this emotional regulation stuff, I think it, it will really help as they grow too. Okay. Speaking of growing 11. 
<laughs> yes, the 11 year old. 11 year old. Yes. <laughs> yes. 11 year olds. I love this story. Oh my gosh. I love all my stories. I just thank God for all the situations, right? Um, because they really were pivotal in my life. So, real quick about the boys, there's a there's a flick called The Mask You Live In. It is a requirement for every person raising a boy to watch. It's a little bit hard to find, but just go try to find it. It is a, it's a beautiful documentary and it's very, very important and, and life-changing. Um, uh, so anyways, okay. Onto the story. So that was an example for like a younger toddler. Um, just to, again, give you guys an example for my own life. Right. So let me tell you about what it looks like for a 10 and a half year old, a, a kind of a tween. So a few years ago, Stella's 14 and a half now, this was probably four, four years ago. She um, is a drummer and she was going to band. And at the time she was like um, having pizza with her buddies beforehand. And it was right across the street from her band, the school of rock. And they would get a slice of pizza, have a soda, and then go right across the street. But the street was very busy at the inter- intersection. And I am like a safety Karen. Literally, there was a little girl like hit on my street growing up and out of kindergarten, she got off the school bus was severely disabled, you know, mentally and physically for the rest of her life. I'm just very serious about safety. I'm very serious about a lot of things, technology, all these things, but I am a safety Karen for sure. And I'm like, honey, um, just want to make sure, you know, I'm not okay with you crossing the street there. I want you to go up to the stop sign. And it was like two feet away, you know, (laughs) but, um, but you know, you're with a bunch of teenagers in our town in Southern California. It is literally insane to me that there, everyone has an e-bike now for the most part. And, um, these kids are riding around, they got their helmets unbuckled. They're on their iPhones. They got kids on the back without helmets going like, you know, 25 miles per hour next. I'm just like parents. So I'm going to start a safety Karen, like organization, but anyways, okay. Back to the story. So, um, you know, teenagers, there are tweens, like, you know, they just want to take the fastest, you know, and it's, it's really easy as it's really easy to follow. Right. We know that from being a teenager, it was hard just to stand out or it was uncomfortable at times to be different. So I dropped her off one night. I pulled over to the side and I was like, I'm just going to watch to double check. And guess what she did? She crossed in the wrong spot with her buddies and you know, the traditional punishment, we've seen many, many examples of this online at that age. You can, I could have pulled over and yelled at her as she was going to school or rock. I could have embarrassed in front of her friends. I could have made her come home and write. I will not disobey my mom a hundred times. I could have had made her sign, uh, hold up a sign at the corner that said, I chose to disobey my mother. And now um, I'm paying the penalty. I mean, you see some wacky stuff being shared, right? I could have grounded her. I could have taken away. Um, her iPad or technology for the week or whatever. I could have done a lot that would have been punishment. You do not disrespect authority. Mm-hmm. And if you do it again, there will be a price to pay and you mm-hmm. will feel the sting. I will make sure that the sting is something that will sting you the most. So if you have an iPhone you love, that's what I'm going to take away. If you have this, if you love to be out with your friends, that like, that's the, that's the heart of punishment, right? <laughs> or there's a lot of people who are still spanking their kids at, at 10 and a half. So anyways, I came home and I was like, of course, Terry, Terry, she, she did it. She did it. you know, and we're like, okay, how are we going to, how are we going to deal with this? So by that time I was pretty dang fluent in this stuff. So I was like, okay, when she comes home, we'll just have a nice long discussion, 10 and a half year olds. You can do that. So, um, you know, she came home. I'm like, Hey, we need to talk and saw what you did. Obviously the message we always give kids, uh, once you're fluent in this stuff is you're not in trouble and 
we need to figure this out because this is a really firm rule for me and I'm not okay with this happening. Here's why. We always explain boundaries and rules very mm. deeply to our children so they understand how the boundary and the rule benefits them, not just because I said so. So we had a really great discussion around safety and protecting our bodies. And we reviewed the story of the little girl that I grew up with. Uh, we reviewed the story of how my friend held her neighbor when he died after being hit by a bike in Temecula, California. This was just like six years ago. Like this stuff happens. This mm -hmm. is education, not to scare my child, but to teach her like this, I, this is important to me. Your body is important, right? Like all these things. So we had a big discussion that turned into probably an hour long, maybe hour and a half. There was tears involved. There was a lot of like, it turned into opening up of like, mom, it's so hard to be a tween. Everybody has a phone except for me. I hate being different. Like, can I please just be like the others? Like, um, and then that turned into a beautiful discussion of, I, I can, I can remember that feeling like you're not alone. No wonder you want to cross the street in that place and not be like, I'm the safety Karen. I'm going to go to the stop sign. Like I get it. Like, no wonder I'm like, that's gotta be, that's gotta be tough for you. And I promise you one day you'll thank me. Right. Like we've had so many discussions around the iPhone that she's not allowed to have till high school around mental health <laughs> and how many buddies she's going to see that develop anxiety or mental health issues because they've been on a device since they were, you know, eight years old, nine years old with social media and all the things. So it turned into this beautiful discussion. And, um, and then I said, okay, well, it seems like you get it. And she's like, mom, I get it. I told, and I'm like, okay, well, this is what we're going to do. We're gonna, I'm, you know, me, babe, like logical consequences are not to punish they're to teach. So I'd like to choose the logical consequence of the redo. So I'm happy to have you go back to pizza next week. However, I'm going to have you redo the situation. And this time I'm going to have you speak up to your friends and say, Hey guys, I'm not going to cross the street here. Let's just go to the stop sign. And um, that's going to leave a new imprint on your brain. And I'm going to like, you're going to become more comfortable and solidified in being different and being proud that you're different and being confident when you're different. And then you're going to experience what it feels like to be like, Oh, that wasn't a big deal. I spoke mm -hmm. up and it wasn't mm -hmm. a big deal. Right. So long story short, uh, that happens. Uh, I drop her off. I pull over to the side where she can't see me <laughs> and I watch her and she did it right. She crossed where I wanted her to. She went to band and she came home and I was actually speaking that night on a stage at a church. I came home, you guys to this note, Oh, on my nightstand, my little girl, I have this note in this huge Binder I showed you guys earlier of all these logical consequences. I keep everything, but she had written this beautiful note that said, mama, thank you so much for teaching me how to take care of myself. Thank you for teaching me so much how to help myself and help others. She went on to say, you know, I want to be just like you when I grow up. Um, mm -hmm something else in there, like something just of like, um, I'm just so grateful and I love you so much. Love Stella. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I tell that story because that's what I mean. Discipline unites. It brings you closer. It teaches. Mm -hmm. It doesn't hurt. It doesn't humiliate. It doesn't shame. It doesn't disconnect. And I tell you that little girl, when she has a problem in life, she comes to me. I don't know if you've ever heard that saying, um, you know, when, when my kid messes up, instead of saying, I don't know if I'm allowed to cuss, oh, S, my mom's going to kill me. Yeah. Instead, mm -hmm. they say, instead they say, oh, S, I need to call my mom. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's what's happened 
in my relationship mm-hmm. with her. And mm-hmm. it just feels like a million bucks. I would say a hundred percent of the time. Now, when we have a discipline situation in our home afterwards, we are tighter because of it, no matter if it's Taryn or Stella. And I see it with my students. We have a Google success story document. That's 800 pages long now of these type of stories. It really does work. You guys, you just got to believe that it's possible and be courageous enough to switch it up and start teaching in different ways. You know what I'm hearing as I'm listening to you though, is that's Jesus. That's a picture of Jesus. Like, and I wonder how much our image of God is impacting how we discipline. Because if we think God is just ready to zap us at any moment and that, and that if we mess up, he's far away from us, then how much is that being lived out and how we parent our kids? But if we realize, no, when we mess up, God just wants to come closer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, he just wants yes. to have that conversation like you did with your daughter. And he, yeah. and he wants to talk to us about the things that are bothering us. And he wants to give us that chance to redo. Like, that's what God is like. And so maybe by, well, not maybe, but definitely <laughs> by perpetuating this, this idea of a punishment form of parenting, we're actually reinforcing a very negative view of God. It's, it, you know, certainly we're hurting our kids too, but, but we're also changing the whole spiritual trajectory of our lives and our kids' lives. Uh-huh. Mic drop. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Like our relationship with our kids is their first experience almost with their heavenly father, the way they see us, the way they experience us, the amount of grace and compassion. And all of this is, is tied directly to their, their faith and how they're going to experience Jesus moving forward. So yes, it's like, we, we have to remember, like we live in the new covenant of Jesus Christ. Like that is, should be our, our rock. And, uh, It's just so beautiful. One of the scariest things as parents is talking to your kids about sex and puberty. And we at tolovehonorandvacuum.com want to make it as easy as possible. We have created the whole story, a course that moms can go through with their daughters or dads can go through with their sons or single moms with their sons to talk about the changes your body is going through, to talk about what sex is, talk about peer pressure and more. It's a video-based course where you watch quick, fun videos done by young people like my girls and my sons-in-law. And then there's discussion questions, activities to do with your kids and more. So do check it out. We still have our special COVID pricing on, which will go away as soon as we move to the new domain, baremarriage.com. So check it out right now. There is a link to the whole story in the podcast notes below. What I think is even more impactful and meaningful when you consider, especially the story with your daughter, is that you've shared online that your daughter was your really strong-willed kid, right? And we talked about this, I think, in the last podcast about how she was the one where it's like, what am I going to do? Because they have yeah. just this really, really strong will. And there's this misconception that gentle parenting techniques, communication-based parenting, connection-based parenting, it works really well for compliant kids and it doesn't work for strong-willed kids. There's some kids you just need to punish who are just not going to get it unless there's a punishment, right? And that's flat out, first of all, from the research perspective, that's just not true. I talked to many family and parenting psychologists who uh, were my professors in the university and they worked with kids who had literally like not only strong wills, but also strong willed kids with behavioral disorders. So these are the kids who are seeing professionals to deal with problematic behavior. And you know what they did? They did this. They did connection-based parenting. They did a lot of, you know what? Yeah, this is 
hard and you're frustrated and you are right to be frustrated. And they empathize. I was like, yeah, but when we're frustrated, we still can't kick people. Like we, and so let's, let's work on that, but the, you're allowed to be frustrated. You connect and then talk about how we can move forward. And as someone who my son is lovely and he's a very, very, very strong-willed child as well. I, I laugh that he might be one of the, the most social, least eager to please kids that like I've ever met. There's a lot of kids who are kind of like, I just don't really like people that much. That's not my son. Loves people. Does not really care if we think that he did a good job. He just wants to know that he did a good job. Does that make any sense? Just totally internally focused. Potty training him was fun. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But I think this is one of those things where what I have found is that changing a lot of how we speak to Alex. Now, Connor and I also started parenting Alex with a lot of this information, but we've learned a lot more as well, is that the more that you're able to connect with them, when you have that strong-willed kid, the power struggle often goes away a lot more because they, they, they want to have more control. They, they, they bristle more when you're trying to tell them what to do. And so often it's not even that they don't want to do what you're telling them to do. It's just, they don't want to do it because you told them to do it. (laughs) Um, And so we're able to focus less on obedience and making sure that you do what I say when I say it and more on how do we act and what is the right way to do this so that you are the kind of person that you want to be. Now with a two-year-old, that looks very different than with a 10 year old. But for us, it really means a lot of, you know what? Mason doesn't want to play with you right now. And it's because you took his toys and that's really sad, but we don't need to make Mason play with us. You can go say sorry. And if he wants to play with you, then he will, but you know, it's okay. Next time you won't do that, but let's go say sorry. And let's maybe offer him one of our toys to say to show him how yeah. that we are sorry, right? That that looks differently, but I found that that often is a lot better than ripping the toy back out of your kid's hand and making them go have oh, yeah. a timeout because they don't get it then. Yeah. So. Well, I think, gosh, it's so beautiful to hear all that and just everything that you've, how old is Mason again now? Oh no, Alex is two and a half. He steals toys. Uh, <laughs> I like using the, <laughs> the strong-willed one. Yeah, my yes. Alexander is two and a half. He has a friend at the park who takes his toys sometimes. Oh, okay, got it. <laughs> Ale- so Alexander, Alexander is, is two and a half. Yeah, yeah, yeah he's two very and a half. Yeah, yep. Um, well, I man, I think strong-willed kids are just like almost like their own species. It's so beautiful. I just imagine God like knitting them together. And he was like, these are the next generation of leaders. And they're the ones that are, have the courage to be outspoken. I'm going to put these genes inside of them to give them this bravery and this just ability to stand apart, right? Like they really are just a wonderful section of our society. Um, And when they're little, a lot of times we don't view them like that because they're just, they can be so difficult. I have a free guide. If you happen to be a strong-willed parent, like a parent raising a strong-willed kid free guide, you guys can put it in the the show notes, but like how to raise a strong-willed kid without losing your mind. And I go through like a lot of things that you can do with your own mindset to change the way you're seeing them. But the thing back to your original question, Rebecca, is like the idea that gentle parenting just works with the easygoing kids. And what's cool, thank you, God, he gave me one very easygoing kid and then one very strong-willed kid. So, and Mm -hmm. the little one, the easygoing one has been raised with a hundred percent. 
uh, this work. And then the older one, we found it and we did the switcheroo when she was three, uh, which is a rough transition, let me tell you, but, but thank God we did it. Um, it was just a rough season of life. But anyways, um, so yes, I'm going to say anything is going to be a little bit easier to implement with easygoing kids. That's just, but they have different challenges. Like my easygoing kid, he has self-confidence issues or he has, he had separation anxiety for like two years where he would climb the walls at school when I would drop him off at kindergarten. Like he was in the shrinks, you know, we called the shrinks office. It's at, he just, he has his own things, right? He has negative thoughts that come inside of his little mind a lot in theory, kind of anything is going to be easier to implement. However, the strong-willed ones, this is a necessity. We can not even think about using the other way with them because I'm telling you, they will revolt. They will revolt in their own way. And you may see it as possible compliance in your home, but by the time they are teenagers, which Rebecca, I feel like you are an expert on this because you've done the research, but if there is a disconnection in the relationship and they are not getting their needs met, remember power kids or strong-willed kids, they have a strong desire to feel powerful, God-given. So that need bucket, that need bucket sits beside the need to belong, the need to feel powerful, the need to feel unconditionally loved for, but for power kids, which by the way, I'm a power kid, raising Mm -hmm. a power kid. I have a, these kids have a very strong desire to lead. They have a very strong desire to feel powerful. So if that is consistently not being filled up and they, and they are rolling around town with an empty bucket because they are in a home where there is compliance statement, there is external uh, controls for punishment that is usually based in fear and force and bribery and rewards, they will revolt. And Mm -hmm. it will come out in explosive behavior. It will come out in opposition. It will come out in behaviors never actually going away, but instead being hidden or lied about or blame. And then a lot of times these kids with traditional punishment, it turns into very deep shame. Like they will have explosive Mm -hmm. moments and they will just come out of their skin because they literally cannot be told what to do and controlled. And then later they regret, they have so much regret and shame. Then that becomes a downward spiral in their life. And then anger becomes like, it's just a whole thing. So it is essential that, especially if you have a strong-willed child, that you at least get yourself into education where you understand what it might look like if you choose a different way besides punishment. And yes, it all starts with power struggles, right? Like Mm -hmm. what I teach in the compassionate discipline workshop is the, that free workshop is a lot of times power struggles turn into discipline. Like you, if a power struggle goes awry and you don't catch it and, and you're not able to dissolve it with integrity, we say that often turns into, well, now, now you're going to get it because you've stepped over the line, right? So it's like, there's so much power in learning how to work with a power kid with connection and firm kindness and man, do they respond? Like, I can't even tell you how much Stella responded when I stopped telling her what to do all day long and actually started respecting that she wanted to have more say in her life, that she had this mm-hmm. strong voice, that she wanted to lead. She changed. I changed. And then I was having, I was having to discipline less because she wasn't mm-hmm. flying off the handle all the time. Or, um, so that was like a big riff on that, but I just love it. It's, it's not true that it's only works with permissive or with, uh, easygoing kids. It works with all human beings. Um, and, and, and the, the benefits just go on and on and on and on. So, 
And I think too, it, it's also because God sees us as individuals. And so the way that he, re- he relates to us as his individuals, and this is how he relates to us is, is through connection and through kindness. And so when we're doing that with our kids, it is going to work for every personality trait. But the, the other aspect of that, which is maybe the flip side of it, is that if we're only focused on outward behavior, and if that's our main focus as a parent, then we might have an easygoing kid. And think we're doing a really good job, even when we're not paying a lot of attention to them. And even when we're not really engaging emotionally with them because they're doing all the right things. And so we're like, oh, this is great. I don't really need to to look at Johnny or or pay much attention to Johnny because he's doing great. So I can put all my attention over here. (laughs) And yet parenting is about just staying connected and paying attention. Yeah. Whether you have an easygoing kid or a strong-willed kid, that easygoing kid still needs you to pay attention. (laughs) And, and I think this parenting method is more about that. It's just living in the moment, like living fully embodied with your kids (laughs) and, and, and paying attention and seeing what they need. Yep. Yep. And a lot of times kids just will shut down. They start to tell you less if, Mm -hmm. if there's not a strong connection factor there. And if there's not safety when they're imperfect, as they get older, they will, they just, they just tell you less. They hide more. Mm-hmm. You just mm-hmm. get less opportunities to teach. Yeah. You, you, their, their friends are going to be the influence, not you, not God. Yep. Yep. Okay. So to wrap up, Wendy, I want you to critique my discipline and parenting. Okay. Real life example. <laughs> okay. um, and this is a non-embarrassing example for my son, because I don't believe in embarrassing examples for my kid when he's this right. young and can't consent. Right. <laughs> so uh, we our backyard. It's Canada. It's finally warm. We finally have mud. It's very exciting. I let him go play in the backyard. And the rule is he has to take his shoes off on the step before he comes inside because there's so much mud. Of course, he is two and a half. He thinks it's very funny to, as soon as the door opens, run, run, run through the kitchen all the way to the living room and stomp, stomp, stomp his feet. Um, And so mud goes everywhere. And so then this is how we typically handle it. Okay. Typically, I just grab him so he can't move. And then I, I pick him up. We bring him back outside. And at this point he's squirming kind of like, ha ha, I did something funny and bad. And um, I sit him down and say, hey, Alexander, we know we do not bring our shoes inside because our shoes have mud on them. And then the house gets very yucky blocky. Um, he understands the concept of yucky blocky. Um, <laughs> and so then I tell him, I try, and then I tell him it's time to take your shoes off. And that's when he starts crying. And that's when he gets frustrated. I say, okay. I know you want to go inside with your shoes. We cannot do that. So you have a choice. Either you can take your shoes off or mommy will take your shoes off. And then I wait. And then if he continues to cry, I say, okay, you did not take your shoes off. So mommy's going to take your shoes off now. And then we can put them in the bucket. We have a shoe bucket. And so then I take his shoes off and often he's not happy about it. I take them off and I ask him if he wants to put them in the bucket. And then if he's still screaming, I put them in the bucket and then I bring him inside. And then I say, okay, you're angry because I took your shoes off, but we can't wear our shoes inside. So as soon as you want to calm down, we can have fun reading a book, but you can just be angry until then. And then I just go and do my thing. Beautiful. Okay. So first off, um, using the word critique, I want everyone to hear this. There is, you're never going to hear me critique you. Right. I I don't even care if you would have yelled at him and spanked him. (laughs) Um, You're doing a great job. You're keeping this human being alive. You have a (laughs) you have a roof over his head. (laughs) He also usually only actually fusses for like five seconds, and he's like, "I'm gonna go play with my toys." 
Yes. So, but the point is no, never, yeah. ever critiquing, right? I think people get scared of, of getting into parenting work because they think they're going to be critiqued. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm just going to give you some ideas in case awesome. you want to try something, just you want to try something different. But I mean, overall, Rebecca, that's, that's so spot on. But number one is, you know, we're always about getting to the root of the deal, like the situation or the root of the problem. So number one is, um, tell me why he wants to run in the house again. He likes With to put the- mud on the floor. He likes to put mud on the floor and, is, and you know this because he like did it before and he was like, wow, look at this. It's really interesting. Or tell me why you know that. He has because a thing about footprints. He has a thing about footprints. <laughs> he really likes making footprints. Yeah. He, he likes making footprints. Okay. That yeah. makes more sense to me than and, just, and he, he likes also to just dirty likes to bring dirt inside. He likes the smell of dirt. Mm-hmm. He is a okay, this, but again, this is making more sense to me. So he likes the smell of dirt and he likes footprints. Okay. He likes mud. He's there's probably like a sensory kinesthetic thing that he enjoys dirt and mud and footprints. That is more clear. Okay. You telling yourself then he just likes to dirty the house. Do you see that? Oh, yeah. Right. It's yeah. going to, it's going to give you a little bit more ability to be compassionate, empathy, empathetic with him. So one of the, one of the things that, you know, that force uh, the four step uh, process that we teach in our firm and kind parenting blueprint is um, the agreement, use empathy, restate the agreement, and then give choices. And you did many elements of this, but um, I think you said it when you're telling the story, you know, the rule is that we don't do that, right? Instead, I just want you to start shifting. What would it look like if I start making agreements with him? So agreements are more like, Hey, you know, like when your toys are on the ground, imagine if, um, it got stepped on or if it got muddy or, um, like a stuffed animal that would not do well with mud. And then that would, you might have to wash it. And then the washer might ruin it because you never know what a washer is going to do to stuffed animals. That's an example of how to explain to a child. So our rule, our limit, like our boundary is that we keep the mud out of the house. Or if we're, if it's a rainy day, if we're going to do mud activities, we do the mud that we love in the garage. But Mm. the reason why we have this rule buddy is that, so everybody's stuff is respected. So if mommy's carpet gets stepped on, I get really upset. You might not get upset, but if your stuffy got stepped on, that would be sad for you if he got ruined, right? Like Mm. you try to explain the rule in a way that the child understand how it's affecting them. And I know this is a lot of words for two and a half year old, but I'm just (laughs) saying you're, I just want your creative mind to start going. How could I make it more of an agreement where we're on, we're on the same team instead of. I said, so this is the role you need to respect it. And not like your story had a lot of that, but that's what we teach as far as making the agreement. So before he goes outside and you know, it's muddy, that's when you stop him at the door and say, I'm so excited for you to go outside. And before we go out, what was our agreement? Right. And what do you think he would say to that, Rebecca? Well, he's pretty nonverbal still. He's pretty below. That's okay. But yes, (laughs) even if he has two or three words. Yes. So then we can teach. So right. What would he say? Would he say shoes or would he say point out his shoes? Maybe. (laughs) If you said, what is our agreement? What is our agreement around the mud and the shoes? Oh, okay. Um, Yes. Probably shoes outside. Yeah. Oh, perfect. There you go. Shoes outside. So that's fine. Two words is fine. Or if Mm -hmm. they're completely nonverbal, you can say, okay, what was our agreement? Do you remember our agreement? And they're going to go like this. And then you're going to say, okay, remember shoes go outside. 
Okay, cool. And then you let him go play. Then once he gets back to the door, you go to step two, which is empathy right away. So it's like, I think you said you did this in your, in your example, but it's like, you know, Hey, and, and it's a little bit different because it's like, Hey, I know you love footprints. And I know you love the feel of mud. I like, you know, you love the smell of dirt. <laughs> There's a book called Dirt Boy. You have to get Rebecca. <laughs> Sounds good. Books. Um, I think we have it on our shop page on the website for Shirt Family. But, um, I, but you start to really hone in on why he likes it. Not that he likes to make yes. a mess. It's why does he like it? He likes the feel of it. He likes the smell of it. He likes the, the actual creating a stamp. Right. Like, yeah. like when we can get creative with how to do that in different ways. Right. But it's empathy. It's like, no wonder you want to do that. You mm-hmm. love that. And then you move right into restating the agreement. And what was our agreement, buddy? <laughs> oh, shoot, shoot. I died. If he's got two words, that's fine. Right. But most likely when you engage a child like mm-hmm. this, especially the strong-willed ones, they like to know the answer. They want yes. to know the answer. They're like, mm-hmm. I know it me do it. I know. I know. They're the kids in class that are like this. I know. Call on me. Call on me. And then you move right into the choices. Yeah. And it's with that neutral, you know, Hey, this is easier said than done. Right. Where this is not, we're not looking for perfection here, but I always like to teach people get a, get a neutral statement. Like I'm my wall in my office is blue. The wall is blue. Would you like to take off your shoes or have me do it for you? It's neutrality, right? A lot comes across in our tone. If we're like, so would you like to do yes. that? <laughs> me to do it yeah. for you. I don't know however tone comes out. And then totally. if that, if that choice doesn't work, you roll into another one. Do you want to take your shoes off fast like a cheetah or slow, like a sloth? Do you want to just sit your shoes here? Or do you want to put them in a bucket with warm water and use soapy water to wash them or wash mm-hmm. the soles? Um, like again, I could riff for hours on the amount of choices you could give. Um, but that's the four-step process. And then, and then everything you said is fantastic, right? Yeah. It's okay for you to be angry. I'll be over here when, when you're ready. Let me know if you need help. Yep. Let me know if you need help finding your calming kit that has your plate or your um, squeezy ball and your breathe ball and your other things that remember we did last week as a logical consequence. When you hit your little sister, we made that. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'll, I'll get mine and you get yours and I'll meet you in the kitchen. Right. Yeah. Like something mm-hmm. like that. So uh, I had, I don't know. Yeah. The whole telling him what the agreement is before you go outside. I think that's going to be the biggest difference for him <laughs> nice. for sure. Nice. Cause right now, and, and I think changing it up where there's like an, an example of how does the mud hurt inside? Cause right now what he knows is the worms need the mud to live. So we can't bring it inside, but there is a lot of mud. <laughs> so, yeah. I think that that's a better idea. Thank you very much. That was good. You're yeah. Welcome. I so, can go off more and more about that. Yeah. That so was Wendy, great. we've so loved having you on these two podcasts. I'm sure we'll have you back on um, uh, another time, but tell us where people can find you. Yes. Yes. Oh, thank you girls for asking. Um, like Rebecca mentioned, I'm really active on Instagram. I love to teach a ton over there, just free content um, all the time. Fresh Start Family. I'm sorry, Fresh Start Wendy on Instagram. Our podcast, The Fresh Start Family Show, my husband co-hosts with me often. So you get that male voice. It's really nice. Um, positive parenting, family life coaching. And then I'd say, um, you know, for this conversation, like I, like I mentioned that, that free strong-willed kids guide is really where I think a lot of families, uh, should start, mm-hmm. uh, fresh start family forward slash strong-willed kids. And then I know we talked about discipline a lot too. And I have another free guide. That's really how to design logical consequences 
that work with kids of all ages. And that one's freshstartfamilyonline.com forward slash discipline guide. Awesome. And we will put all of those links in the show notes so that you can go get them quickly. Um, Thank you so much, Wendy. This has been really fun. I really appreciate it. (laughs) Yes. Thanks for having me. I love you ladies. And it's just been so much fun. Thanks for all you that you do. I loved that conversation with Wendy. I hope you did too. And we have a little bit of an update from Rebecca about how Wendy's advice did with Alex and his shoes. Okay, Alex, so we're going to play outside and we go back inside. We're going to take our shoes off outside. Say outside. Outside. Okay, go play. What are you doing? You're taking your shoes off because you want to go inside. That's right. No fuss, no crying. Took off his shoes just like himself, like a big boy. Thank you, Alexander. Thank you for taking your shoes off outside. I'm really proud of you. You can go on inside. Have some fun. Since we talked to Wendy two weeks ago, Alex hasn't even tried to go inside with his shoes on. He uh, forgets every now and then, but a very simple reminder, there's no tears. It's just a quick, oop, go outside, take his shoes off, and come back inside. It's super easy. Genuinely, just reminding him ahead of time made that, that huge difference for us. We've cut down major tantrums this way. I don't think that it happened that quickly for everyone because we were already doing like, you know, a lot of gentle parenting with him. That's how we parent. Um, but he just picked up on it so easily because he's just used to his world making sense and knowing that, you know, we aren't just out to make life not fun for him, but we actually have reasons for uh, what we say. So just, you know, it was really cool to see. And I just wanted to give you that quick little update that what she said really worked. That's awesome. You know, gentle parenting really does work and it works because it it focuses again on the future, not on the past. It's not about punishing. It's about training our kids and shaping their development. And I love watching my grandson grow. He's just awesome. Um, I have a couple of other things to show you. A publisher sent me this book called Angry Me and it is by Sandra Vader, Sandra Fader, I'm sorry. And it's it's a great book on the back it says there are many ways to feel angry. When Joanna was visiting, um she read this book with her 18-month-old Tally and Tally went and got it and started reading it herself afterwards and started talking about angry. And, you know, it's good to teach kids to recognize their emotions. And the book talks about sometimes you're angry for good reason, you know, like other people treat you badly and there's something you can do. You can use your words and try to remedy that situation. And sometimes you're angry and there's over a situation that you can't help, like your granddad dying. And so again, just helps kids process emotions. I I think a lot of the books that are coming out today for toddlers and little children, helping them think about emotions, put words to emotions can really help us if we want to raise emotionally mature um, adults one day. And so take a look at these. There's also some really great stuff you can buy. I've seen them as flip charts where they they show different emotions. Often um, they're a tool that physicians and psychologists who work with autistic children use um, to help them be able to speak their emotions out loud. But they're great for any families just to help your little kids learn to talk about emotions and figure out what to do when you feel angry or sad or frustrated or bored uh, or rejected or lonely or any of those things. So take a look out for some of those too. Uh, Remember that our whole story puberty course is available to help you navigate those difficult conversations with your kids. And we will be back next week for another edition of the Bear Marriage Podcast as we continue our conversation about attachment. Thanks very much, everybody. Bye-bye.